Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. I'm sitting down today uh, with Reverend Robin King in the Bash United Church. We're uh, having a delicious cup of coffee and we're going to talk today about uh, what we do as a church community, as a community of faith, now that the rules are changing a little bit and some churches are getting back into their buildings and we have to kind of wrestle with who we are and what we're trying to do and accomplish as communities of faith and uh, you know each church looking at what works for them. So Robin, welcome and thanks for Hi, joining ben. me. We had a, a board meeting not too long ago. The Pinocchio United Church met and the Basha United Church board also met and had to kind of wrestle with uh, some of these ever-changing restrictions and recommendations. What do you make of all the changes, Robin, and where do you think we're standing now? Oh, I'm so glad you actually just said it that way, too, because just as you were saying that, like, it just leapt into my head. Isn't that funny? That's just so typical of the church. We're reacting after the fact. Um, <laughs> that's, and which is exactly the opposite of what we were supposed to be in the first place. But okay, um, the, the thing is, yeah, the things are changing all the time. Um, when the, back, back when the, oh, long, long ago when the pandemic started, um, <laughs> When, when uh, I think March 15th, I think was our last service in a building. Um, and uh, we, um, like everyone else, um, churches, churches ironically are not an essential service. And uh, so we closed our buildings and we found other ways to connect with people, right? We did the online thing. But at the same time, because we weren't gathering people together, we, we really, there was a big run on making, making it clear that the church is not a building. Right, we were reminding people that the church is people living as Jesus teaches us to live, and 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 sharing love and grace and compassion, and everything, all that good stuff with people. Um, there were a lot of memes on Facebook. <laughs> mm-hmm. There were a lot of reminders uh, in various forms of media, and uh, even as um, even as our pastoral visiting was limited, of course, by contact. Right, um, we were always trying to remind people that the church is about how we what we learn and how we live, um, not just about being in a, in a building. Um, and here we are, lo these many months later, um, and the rules have changed. And now, uh, at least in this part of the country, we're at a stage where we can not only be in the building, we can have, I think we're now at, we can have up to 100 people, something like that. A big change from um, even just a few weeks ago. But how exciting is that? You hear the news, you can go back into your building and you can have up to 100 people. And that's super exciting, and lots of people were really very happy about that. And then, of course, you read the guidelines by which you can do that. And that includes the physical distancing thing. It includes uh, no singing, uh, no sharing of, of food or any sort of communal, uh, uh, um, like, food or drink or anything like that. You can't even share a coffee. You had to bring your own today. Um, and, uh, and And... Then people start to go, oh, really? Okay, hang on a minute then. Um, and and when our, our uh, board and council met to talk about this, of course, the first thing that comes up is, you know, the number one thing, of course, is we're people. We're not buildings. We are people. And the safety and health and, and care and everything of, of people is what's really important. And we have we have people who are vulnerable, not just by age, but for other reasons. Um, and, uh, you know, in order to care for them, is it is it a good idea for us to be going back in the building? 
And where the conversation went after that was, well, yes, yes, it is. If we're providing an opportunity for people to just get together and be able to see each other and, you know, Mm. not touch, obviously, but be able to see each other and have conversation. If we're talking about what it means for us to uh, celebrate worship or have a service or whatever language you use to describe that community of faith gathering that's around your faith, actually, you're, you know, the central piece of your faith, um, yeah, people were reluctant because we like to participate, right? We like to, we like to sing the hymns. We like to greet people at the door with a, a handshake or a hug. We have, we have books. Um, people like to sit relatively close together. Uh, we like to participate not just with the singing, but but in saying prayers and and sort of response things that we like to use. And uh, we often, on occasion, will have uh, drama and stuff like that uh, intentionally, not the not the other kind. Um, and then afterwards, people like to sit down and have a coffee or. Uh, some food and share something at a table where they can have some further conversation, if not just about if not about the message that Sunday morning, about um, more important stuff, right? Like how people are doing, and what they're doing, and all of that cool stuff. And uh, uh, we can't do that. Yeah. So you've taken out all the <laughs> all the best well, parts. The thing though is, that, and this is where this is where from from just that micro discussion of our own community our own congregations, you have to ask the wider, bigger question, which is why do people go to church anyway? And, and because some churches couldn't wait to get back in their buildings um, because that piece is so important, right? And in fact, uh, um, I'm trying to think, I can't think of the name of the, the, uh, the particular church now, but one of the Roman Catholic churches, um, the, the sort of headline in their newsletter was Catholics come home. Right, the the your presence in the building with the rest of the community is important, and and that's that's I'm not saying it isn't for us. It's just that our way of doing that might be different, and so there are some traditions where they're where they're more liturgically minded, right? Where those various rituals and things are are particularly important. Ours is a little less informal, a little less formal. Sorry, around that. Um, and some traditions where, frankly, their tradition is less participatory in terms of, of you know, the singing and, and talking and response and interaction and stuff. Um, more is done for you to see, right? And so and more is done for you to watch, um, which I know what you're thinking now. That begs the question, yeah, but for three months now, We've been broadcasting on a Sunday morning so that people can sit at home and watch their TV. <laughs> right? Does, I know. It seems a little bit ironic. Except, uh, I, I, so many people have said to me, but I don't do that. Because I'm in my home and I don't have to worry about other people around me, I sing the hymns. In fact, s- some people have actually said to me, because I'm at home and no one else can hear me, I sing quite loudly. Probably more than they do <laughs> more when they're than they here. Yeah, but they sing along with the hymns, and everything's on the screen. For, we put the lyrics on the screen, right? And you can sing along with with whoever's leading that. I do. I sing along from and, home. And but we also have responsive prayers that we put on the screen. People have said they actually do the prayer mm-hmm. part as well. Um, so it's not just a question of sitting and watching. 
And we, I mean, because we could do that. We could bring people into the building, make them six, sit six feet apart in small groups of, well, this building here, they'd be in small groups of probably 30 or less, um, so that they could sit and watch the screen and not respond. But just that physical distancing is challenging, though, when, yeah. you, when you have, I mean, our pews aren't nailed down to the floor, but they're not like, it's not like having stackable chairs that are, like, we've got big wooden pews yeah. that are, how many people can you put on one pew and be six feet apart? And then you've got yeah. rules around, you know, if you're part of a home, like a family unit, then you can yep. sit closer together. So that exactly. helps. But then there's uh, distancing front to back too, not just side to side. Right. So you'd, ha you'd have people so scattered in this very small sanctuary that it would be a well, really... And some, some, let me, let me say though, that because we, when, when this actually started, we talked about this a little bit, because I mentioned uh, an article in Broadview a magazine where where a minister in uh, the maritime center was talking about how they'd planned on having a funeral and and they thought they could get easily get 50 people socially distancing into their building and uh, then they took out a tape measure and started measuring stuff and it was like 30 tops they they and and what she was saying was you don't realize what six feet is until you actually measure it mm -hmm. um and 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 i know for some people will are going to respond to that by saying Oh, isn't that just being a little bit overly fussy? And the answer is no, not when you take into consideration the number of times uh, faith events, whether it was a service or a gathering of some kind, or family events even, have been super spreaders, right? Yeah. And even in the last few weeks. It, it would be easy. It, it would be so easy to chalk it all up to being overly cautious or paranoia. Yeah. Uh, being paranoid, but yeah, there's been tons of stories in the media in the last two to three months yep. where a uh, a Sunday morning church service was the the hot spot of a of an outbreak mm -hmm. that sent you know twenty thirty people into hospital and led to several deaths yeah. in the down in the states for sure. I don't know how many there've been That's, in Canada like that, but that very day, March fifteenth, that actually that last Sunday before they closed, that actually happened in Calgary to a United Church, and and in fact they quite pointedly talked to the medical officer about it so that she would talk about it, right? Because they wanted to remind people that you think you think you're going to be okay, and then suddenly you're not, and you are not prepared for what that feels like. So, so here we are at the point where, um, that was, that was when it started, right? We were talking mm -hmm. about that. And here we are now at the point where people are going back. And for some, some churches, um, who do have chairs, for instance, if they have people able to do it, if you know ahead of time who's coming and a lot of places have asked that you have to call and, oh, really? and basically make a reservation. Um, but it, but it's so that they know who's coming yeah. and then they arrange the chairs accordingly. Right. right? So like if the they restaurant. know a family of seven is coming, here's a spot where there's seven chairs all together. And then there's six feet around that. And then here's a spot where there's two chairs or there's one chair or these chairs are separated. And if you have the staff to do that or volunteers and who are prepared to space. do that and able to wipe everything down and and take care of all of that stuff, uh, and let alone have a flexible space. Um, and particularly a lot of the more uh, liturgically minded denominations don't have that kind of flexibility. Um, it, it's a problem for you, right? And so you might have smaller groups, they might simply come, and we've, we've talked about this, right? We, instead of having the super participatory kind of service that we do, um, that we would have one that was basically more uh, private or personal prayer-oriented 
um, and just provide even even just have the place open so people could come in and sit in the church and pray. Um, you know, things like that. Um, and, and yes, sure, we can absolutely do that. Again, all of those things kind of redirect us back to the question that we tried to answer before it was asked um, at the beginning of the pandemic. What What, what is church anyway? Yeah. What's it for? Why do we go? What do we do in there? Why do I go to church? Um, and uh, I, I have, uh, in one capacity or another, uh, worked for the church for a very long time. And, uh, there have, even then there have been Sundays where I've gone, why am I going? Um, (laughs) and, and, and I don't mean that kind of thing. (laughs) I mean the kind of thing where we go, okay, what is the purpose here? Um, because particularly over the last few weeks, we've been hearing, uh, well, the, the version that's in Matthew's gospel anyway, of Jesus commissioning the disciples, not the great commission, you know, that, that one that always gets us in trouble where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Um, because people think that means go and get people to do what you tell them. Go convert everybody. Convert them, make them be one of us. Yeah. We are the Borg. Anyway, it's not that, by the way, <laughs> but that's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the one where, where Jesus, in, in Matthew, it's the, it's the one where we hear for the first time, there are 12, and here are their names, right? And, and Jesus, basically what happens is Jesus looks around, sees, sees that he's doing good stuff, but he can't do everything, so he gets a select group of 12 from the many, many disciples, which is another problematic thing about scripture is that whenever we see the word disciples, we assume it means the 12 and it doesn't necessarily. Um, he gets these 12 together and he says, go and do Jesus thing, right? We've talked about that before. We're at the end of that story now. And the thing is that much like the way this started with us talking about church, isn't just a building. Remember that because you're not going to be in it for a while. Remember that the church isn't a building. Now we're at the end of this story where after telling them what they need to go and do um, and reminding them that the point is to be me to people, me, Jesus, he gets to the end of this story and uh, says the thing that is probably the most important thing for everybody to remember, especially when we get into great lengthy discussions and arguments about what it means to welcome people, um, particularly in church and who we are welcoming also, um, which ought to be everybody, but often isn't. It it gets to the end of the story and he says, um, um, those who welcome you, welcome me. And in welcoming me, they welcome God. Yeah. The one who sent me. Right. Um, and that might sound ridiculously obvious, um, until you put it into the context of, first of all, I'm not Jesus. Yes, you are. No, no, I could never be Jesus. Yes, you are. Right? And that's the point of me with the Jesusing thing is that he starts by telling them, you need to go and be me. Not like me, not, um, not do some of the things I do, but to be me to people. And that's what we should be saying to people. Not just, not just you know, you you could you could be nice to your neighbor, but you could be nice to your neighbor the way Jesus showed you is in you to be nice to your neighbor. Right? Acknowledging that that looks different for everyone. Absolutely, and that we're not perfect either, yes. right? Um, and 
Uh, and and so there's there's that first of all. But then there's also the we see that thing that goes those who welcome you welcome me and those who welcome me welcome the one who sent me and we go right so how do we welcome people into our church what does it mean to welcome people into our church what does it mean to have people feel that they are welcomed into our faith community and that isn't the first question because it isn't that what it's about is how you feel welcome when you go be jesus to others absolutely and in that ought to be the answer to the question, how do we welcome people? Yes. Um, but bearing in mind that the point of that is Jesus didn't say, go and build a building that will hold enough people that you can. That's that's like the, it's kind of like the, the guy, you, you remember this story from a, uh, uh, well, it's the last year now, I suppose, but the, uh, and I can't remember which one of them it was, but one of the televangelists who needed a new jet and and he got in trouble because people interpreted what he was saying as he was telling his flock that the Lord wanted him to have a new jet so they better come up with some more money. <laughs> and by new jet, we were talking like luxury, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars jet kind of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and there was a big fuss over that and that caused him to kind of back off a little bit and go, no, no, what, what, what the Lord told me was it was going to happen. I didn't say you had to send me money. I said it was going to happen. The, the fact that he already had several jets, and this would make his fleet bigger than the fleet owned by the President of the United States, became another issue, right? But, but essentially what he was saying was he needed it in order to reach as many people as possible. Right? So instead of hearing, the, the way I hear that is instead of hearing the commissioning of the disciples where Jesus says, go and be me to others. He heard the bit at the end, go and make disciples of all the nations and interpreted it as meaning I have to get as many as possible. Yeah. Before a rapture. But the very first thing Jesus says to the disciples is no, this is a one-on-one -on -one thing. This isn't go and collect people up into a big space. It's go to their go to their homes, knock on their doors if they let you in and want to hear what you have to say, or or will allow you to heal, um, bring some healing or some grace to them. That's great. If not, move on. Um, mm. And and if they do, be Jesus to them because by giving them an experience of Jesus, you give them an experience of God. You reconnect them to the one that is the like the oneness of everyone, mm. right? Um, and, and, and we've somehow got so wrapped up in that, how can we efficiently gather people together, um, that we're missing that. I think we're missing that, that idea that, um, and, and this is, this is why part of me, part of me wants to say, you know, there's another thing about this online thing. And it's, it's this, when we first started out doing the online thing, we had, I think we had, we had a vision, right? We had a, when we created Rise and Spirit Ministry with, between Bashan and Panoka, our idea was to create that third piece, Six Ways from Sunday, and that we had a vision that our services wouldn't just be live streamed between the two places, we would be sharing them with everyone else, right? Except, three years plus later, when we are forced into a moment where we are broadcasting without anyone in the room, suddenly we realize we weren't doing that before. What we were doing was sharing with individuals in their home what the group was doing in the building. Right. 
and they were the the fifth wheel or they were the fly yeah, on the wall like they were like they were just exactly like they were watching what was going on here that's that's like that's like uh the difference between watching a hockey game at home. Oh, I can't believe I just said that. But it is. <laughs> you watch a hockey game at home. First of all, there's advantages, right? Because you get camera angles rather than sitting, you know, a mile away at the top of the, the bleacher sta- seats that are up by the roof, right? Um, or even like a football game, a concert, right? They have to put giant screens up because there's so many people there. You can't actually see the person who's on stage. Even though you're right? there, yeah. Um, but we, that's how we treated that thing from the start is that it what was it, it, useful about it was we could share the the learning together um the the children's time and the the message with the other church which in its own space would do everything else themselves right which is great because that's an interactive there's there's a bridge there between the two ends of it's live in the room and you're watching at home yeah but when it came to the then watching at home part, that's how we treated it. You're just watching from home. And and now we're back at the thing that people keep saying to me is, but I sing. Yeah, yeah. I sing along. Uh, I do the prayers where I am. And I, I, you know, I. why would I want to come and sit quietly and watch when I can be at home singing along and participating? Especially if during the week there's another time I can get together with those people that I know from church. Sure. Right? Uh, and and so we've we've learned so much about um, what it means to try and reach out to the individual by virtue of having to go online entirely. Um, that uh, I'm not suggesting that we don't come back in the building. Far from it. I just think that when we do, we'll I hope remember what we learned about reaching the individual because that's not just going to be helpful to us in terms of uh, reaching through. Uh, through the camera to people at home, it's reaching the people who are actually in the room now. It totally. Because it's less about everybody do the same thing and more about people do their own thing in the context of the group. Yes. Which is what we're supposed to be all about, for, right? For, in the first place, yeah. Um, and, and this is a moment where I'm going to even admit, I, sometimes I surprise myself at how uh, blind uh, and uh, about things like this I can be, um, is for years, it's really bugged me when people argue over changing words in hymns. Since we first started to do that thing where we wanted to be more uh, inclusive, so we tried to change, started to change the language we have for God, um, gender language, we tried to be more contemporary in our use of language in hymns. So some old hymns got a few rewrites. And people, when we first did that, people freaked over it. <laughs> and and they, they did because you're changing something. It's like changing the words in the national anthem. You're changing something that I've known since childhood goes this way. And my first response is, do you understand why we did that? Though, do you, do you understand why we need to do that? And And... I, I want people to understand that. If they understand, but it's meaningful to them to use the old words because, you know, I remember learning that when I was a kid in Sunday school and that was some of my best experiences with the church as a kid in Sunday school. I'm going to go, then sing the words you freaking know. Don't, mm-hmm. don't let somebody else force you to say something else. Just remember, though, that the person standing next to you might be singing different words. Yeah. And then people would people would go, but but then we aren't all singing the same thing. And I'd go, exactly. 
Exactly. You're all because the, the point the for me the point with things like hymns especially is we're all doing the same thing at the same time. If we're using different words because it's meaningful to us to do so, or we're not all singing exactly the right notes, fine. I don't care. I don't care if you sound like Pavarotti or Bob Dylan. I don't care. It's it's not going to ruin my day because somebody didn't sing all the right new, right notes in that hymn or somebody did a wrong. Every single week when we live stream, I am certain there's at least one hymn where I do the I get the words wrong, <laughs> and 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 I'm the one who's supposed times. to be leading it, right? Yeah, I, I get the words wrong because I'm trying to play and read the music at the same, at the same time, time yeah. and stuff. And I could give you all sorts of excuses, but the point is, it shouldn't matter. No. The point is that you should be able to, if you want to sing Lord or you want to sing God, you should sing which one is meaningful to you. If the word is Father and we want to change it to something else that's non-gender specific, I go, don't, don't do that. Provide it as an option, but let people sing Father or Mother or Brother or Sister. Let them sing the thing that means something to mm -hmm. them that allows them to connect with it. It's important to understand why we're trying to be inclusive but we don't need to be inclusive simply by making people do the same thing that's got no meaning to it, right? Um, because, and, and I'm uh, sorry, I'm, I'm off on a tangent slightly here, but it's it is related. That's um, okay. Uh, famous hymn writer. I talk about his book all the time, and I always his name just and he's he's so well known, and it just goes right out of my head, right out of my head. He. he uh, has written a lot of hymns, but he wrote a book called What Language Shall I Borrow? Um, this is back in like the 80s even. And the point I think he was trying to make with that book was, uh, the thing is, um, you, can't, you can't change something to something that's non-gender specific or non-hierarchical um, simply to, uh, simply to um, uh, make it meaningless. What we need is new words. Mm. What we need is new language. Right. And it, lots of people will say, for instance, when it comes to, to gender, people are uh, people are coming up with different ways of expressing that. That's not just him, her, they, them, that kind of thing. They're coming up with new words. And some people really hate that. Some people are kind of like, ah, I'm never going to learn that. But over generations, we will, just like everything else, if we start trying to learn it now. Hmm. Right. And and in the absence of that language, that new language that is familiar to everyone, why wouldn't you let people use the language that is meaningful to them? Having had some discussion around why it's meaningful. Right. So, the, I mean, one way of looking at that would be that for some people, they might say, well, the reason is because it's hurtful that those those are words are are loaded, that they carry, that they're. Mm -hmm. Either um, they're triggering or they're... There is, there is absolutely a line. There absolutely is. Um, and, and if they are, if, it's, if that is the case, then absolutely we need to address that. But in having the conversation around things like, you know, Lord or Father or, you know, things like that, uh, different ways of imaging God, right? Um, male or female or, or however you want to image God, um, we need to have some discussion about that and some understanding that not everyone may want to sing the same. I and totally agree. I, I, I think that that's, that's, that's the church. Yeah. Right. If we are willing to accept it, 
Because in order to do, in order to, if we accept that, then we accept the fact that Jesus chose in this story, Jesus chose to commission 12 very different unique individuals. Even the ones that were, were you know, there was more than one fisherman, but that doesn't mean they were the same. Right, some of them were related, uh, as far as we can tell from the biblical accounts. That doesn't mean they're the same pe- person, right? Even within a family, uh, family by blood, which, of course, this is that same passage, this commissioning of disciples, where Jesus talks about breaking up families, right? Except he doesn't mean that. What he means is the structure that controls what we think about it, right? And and so so. Let's get rid of that for just a second and remember that he chose 12 very different people who were going to go and be Jesus in 12 very different ways to many very different people. And at no time was there a need or a desire to make everyone the same but through doing so that. So at some point along the way, when these people of the way that they called themselves in the very early days of Christianity and then eventually turned into what we now think of as Christianity. Um, eventually people got this idea that, well, we should erect buildings and we should um, have these public gathering spaces of worship and these houses of God. And, um, and as soon as you're bringing a few dozen or a few hundred people into under one roof, it, it kind of almost necessitates a certain degree of conformity or uniformity mm-hmm. so that you can go and do something together so that you mm-hmm. can, so that you can celebrate or, or worship mm-hmm. together. Because if you have everyone singing different words and have everyone just doing their own thing, it's, it's kind of pandemonium and chaos. So let's get everyone on the same mm-hmm. song sheet. And so you can see the logic behind it, but there's, there's a cost. Sure-ish. There's a trade off. But, but yes, but, that sprung out of um, a figure that was radical and in opposition to literally everything about structure and hierarchy. We created structure and hierarchy from that. It's so ironic. And, and it's, it's, I think I, I couldn't begin to, let me actually just right now say if there was not a better, and there are many better, I'm sure, argument for why we need seminaries and theological study and we need people working in academic environments to understand this kind of thing so that people can learn how to share knowledge of it. This is one of those things. I can't tell you why that happened. Really? For sure. I can guess. I can I can give you a few thoughts as to why I think that happened. Things like efficiency. Um, we decided that numbers were more important than change and transformation. Um, and I, the, any uh, the number of things, right? That and, and you can see the logical progression, right? The disciples and Jesus, they met individuals. And then suddenly we're, people were meeting in small groups. And then we had um, house churches, right? And then we got too many people for a house. And so we decided to have a bigger building. And so it took over like basilicas and community Mm -hmm. facilities, right? Or you had individual leaders that were such inspiring speakers that... And then it uh, became, everybody right. wanted to hear that so, guy or that woman speak. Yes, unfortunately, that gets us into the cult of personality angle, yeah. which Paul famously wrote very ardently against, um, that it shouldn't matter, that shouldn't matter, you, we're, all, we're all the family of Jesus kind of thing. Um, but then we, then we got to a point where groups got large enough to go, my group doesn't agree with your group. 
on this. We're going to start our own group. And they go off, and then suddenly their group has other groups with that group, and then we have denominations, right? And mm-hmm. we have schisms, and we have all sorts of that historical stuff and everything. And, and that all sprung from Jesus saying to the disciples, go and be me to others, individuals, people in their homes, change point. And this is where, um, oh, there's an awesome, um, what was it? Uh, was it Gandalf says in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit? I forget which one, but um, it's Tolkien. It's words, right? Um, where he says something about um, people believing that you know you have to ch- make change on a on a grand scale, but really, I think what it comes down to is you know in small individual acts of bravery mm. and kindness, mm-hmm. right? Um, and of course, he's talking about hobbits, right? Um, but but. Uh, I, that that's I think that's what this is about. Is is uh, do you remember that Sunday that we had the questions, and one of the questions we we invited people to send in questions, and I'd talk about those things and because um, and remind people, of course, that you should always have questions, and I can never answer them fully. Um, but one of the questions was something around: um, Do you think Jesus would be happy with the church today, like that what the church became? And that's that's a really hard question to answer because. Um, I can't answer for the Jesus of 2,000 years ago, um, but I can answer for the Jesus in me. And the Jesus in me would say, are you kidding? No. I mean, that's kind of a given. I told you guys to go and, like, be Jesus to each other, and instead you created this structure and hierarchy and institution that uh, doesn't always do good at all, uh, in fact, quite the opposite historically sometimes, uh, in order to maintain control over people and blah, blah, and I, you could really definitely go down that. But then I also think the Jesus in me would say, but that doesn't negate the fact that, that there has been uh, moments, right? That doesn't negate the fact that that we're all unique and individual who we are, and when we live into that, um, we make transformation happen, right? We make good things happen. Um, we sometimes lose our way, and then we maybe get back on the path, and we lose our way again. And but that's part of what life is, right? Um, so I, I, this is where this is why I think, in a way. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it was it was great that we were reminding people that the church isn't a building. We need to be reminding them of that right now too, mm. as we are able to go as, back into yeah, the building. Yeah, as people are going back, um, because because we need to then really wonder why we're in the building, because we're not supposed to stay in the building. <laughs> The things we learn and talk about, the things that we share in the building, the things we experience in the building aren't supposed to be for the building. They're supposed to be things that allow us to go out of the building and be Jesus every day outside the building. So in other words, the church itself exists not for its own good, but for the good of the community that the church exists in. Yes. Yes. I don't even know why I hesitated there. I think I was just it's, trying to follow your, your words. Just thinking but, it through, yeah. yeah. And so in some ways, it is very beneficial to have a physical space in order to facilitate that. Right. It's also very very uh, often very helpful to have a physical space in order to facilitate the doing of things for the community that the community can gather in and do stuff, um, as well as 
the congregational community to gather in to go out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so so for, for people who think we should just get rid of our buildings entirely, I would say you need to decide whether or not that works for your community because there are communities where that might work and there are communities where it absolutely will not um, and, and everything in between, right? But the important thing is that we're always asking the question, what are we as, who are we, how are we as a church? Always asking that question because the moment we stop asking the question is the moment we start to get really comfortable just sitting in a pew, listening to somebody talk and say nice, warm, fuzzy things. And for three weeks now, we've been hearing Jesus talking to the disciples in Matthew with absolutely the opposite of warm, fuzzy things, right? He's reminded them, he's, he's, he said, don't take anything with you. Um, you know, don't take any money or anything. Just rely on, rely on the, uh, what's, what's that, that line? Rely on the, uh, generosity of strangers. Hmm. Um, you know, rely on others to, to provide for you, um, as, as you might need. Um, but also by the way, people are going to reject you. People are going to hate you. People are going to have you arrested, beaten, flogged, you know, Persecuted. and you could die. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you should still do it. And, uh, and, and by the way, here's why is because when somebody does welcome you, they welcome me. And when they welcome me, they welcome a connection with God. Um, and that is the moment um, of, of transformation, right? And, and different for everybody. That's not to say that person's life is going to be transformed into X. It's going to be transformed by an experience of God that, that hopefully leads them to be more who they are. And that's so, going to be different for everybody, right? We're so not all the have... same. Of course. No, we're all totally individual. So, Robin, did you have uh, that disclaimer or warning offered to you when you were called into ministry, either by someone at, at uh, St. Andrews or just in hearing it from the voice of God that the you may be per persecuted and... Oh. And, and and hated and criticized and marginalized and life's going to be difficult, but you should do oh, it anyway. That was my experience of coming into ministry, Ben. Um, the uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Were you did you did you have that? Uh, was I warned about it? Yeah, no, it was my experience. Um, no, it, no. Let me let me say that differently because my path into ministry was not particularly is a bit of a struggle, um, but uh, you know, at this point, I would say. It was a worthy and worthwhile struggle, um, but uh, you know the the thing is that I I think that um, people people going into ministry like capital M ministry, um, leadership in ministry, order of ministry, what whatever language you use, being a priest, whatever, pastor, whatever language you use, that's the sort of the label, the official title. Um, it's, it's no different, it ought to be no different than what we tell people on a Sunday morning or any other day of the week or any other moment of the week if we're trying to encourage people to be Jesus to others. It ought to be no different than the words of encouragement for that. Um, unfortunately, quite often it can be a test, which I want to say has its own value, but that test ought to still be affirming and encouraging. It ought not to be uh, destructive or hurtful. Um, it ought not ought to be, it ought not to be, I can't even say words now, um, but it ought not to be um, something that dissuades something, somebody in a painful or hurtful way um, that moves them away from God. Um, 
And I, I know people who have had that experience going into ministry um, and then didn't. I know people who've had that experience simply by going to church and then deciding they're not ever going again. Um, I know people who've had that experience because they went to church for years and years and years and then suddenly found themselves on the wrong end of, um, you know, not being what the church thinks they ought to be. And that, that's, not, that's not what the church ought to be about. Um, the church ought to be about um, the, it being Jesus to people. Uh, and, and Jesus was, uh, I think, um, even in moments that needed to be challenged, where there needed to be, um, be conflict, um, Jesus was about love and compassion and grace. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus is about finding empathy with others, like hearing what other people had to say, understanding them and being able to engage them in a way which brought connection, not mm. push them away. Um, and, and again, even now, as we are talking about what we do on a Sunday morning when we go into church or, or what we do generally as a church, um, as we're talking about whether or not to return to the building that still just sounds, the words just sound wrong to me. Um, but you understand what I mean by that. Um, we need to find a way, to always be trying to find a way to say, this is the true meaning of what we're about. We want people to, uh, we want people to find the Jesus in them and, and stop saying, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and, and share that with other people. Yeah. And so, um, whatever. And, and sorry, let me say, sorry, let me just, by the way, because I have to keep remembering to add this, that's the language I'm going to use. Right. Jesus and God, just like Jesus said, you know that those who welcome you welcome me, who mm-hmm. welcome the one who sent me. Um, we say Jesus and God. Other people uh, know God by a different name. Um, some people know Jesus by a different name. Some people might not know Jesus at all, but they know Jesus nonetheless. Right, um, that we have that those kind of experiences because we have so many different traditions or understanding of what God is, and that's absolutely that ought to be absolutely okay. It often isn't for a lot of people, but it ought to be. It should be, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, everything you were saying just now about the real reason that we do this in the first place, and talking about connection, and talking about making people feel welcome, and talking about how individual we we each are. Um, I was just thinking about some of the things that we have been starting to do here in Basha and in Pinocchio, um to try to make sure that we're still offering some of those opportunities to people, given that we're, we've been carrying on our Sunday services with our online streaming and people are singing in their pajamas at home and with their pets mm-hmm. and just comfortable, and, but, but separate, right? And so we, yeah. we feel like we're together, but we still have that longing to physically get together and to have some of the conversations and some of the relationship building and connection that, that an online church service can't provide, no mm-hmm. matter how good yeah. we are at, at live streaming and how good we are at engaging the individual, like we were talking about. And so we've been doing things like uh, you've been hosting uh, Tuesday morning coffee where people can come in and there's hand sanitizer and mm-hmm. there's everything to do uh, make sure that you're doing it safely and and maintain social distance but still see, see some familiar faces and that yeah. sort of thing where this week we just had our first um gathering in a long time where we had people come on a, a weekday evening yeah and we had the circle uh, of chairs here in the back of the yeah. the church and it was so weird to just see people that we hadn't seen in 
think like a lot of the people that were here I hadn't seen in months. And it was so nice to have just some unstructured mm-hmm. conversation with people that we love and people that we care about and people that, you know, you, you might know that everyone else or a lot of them are are watching the same church service that you're when you're watching the live stream and you're so you're sort of connected to them, but it's different. It's not the same mm-hmm. as being able to to share uh, an hour or two on an evening where you can just talk about anything and and catch up on how people are doing and and get back inside the building. And so each of these ways that we have of staying connected and building that community of faith is valuable and is important, but in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it's, it's, oh, and, and I just, I think of, and, and I know what you're going to think right away because you know, I'm not a camp person. I like, I, I'm not a camping person, but I'm also not kind of a camp person at all, but I can't imagine how harmful it is. Um, the kids can't go to camp this year because, and not just the church camps. I mean, just generally because, mm-hmm. because that's such an awesome experience where like, you know, you know, kids are going to, kids go to camp, they come home, parents are kind of like, did you have a good time? Yes, I had a good time, or no, I didn't have a good time. The thing is that it's not just about having a good time. They've experienced something that's going to stick with them, and they've learned something. And they've been able to do it in an environment with 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 meeting meeting other kids that they've never met before in some cases, or they only see once a year at camp, you know, yeah. those kind of things. And, and because that that is the kind of, that's, that's, kind of what we're trying to do on Sunday, right? That's kind of what you just described with not being able to see people from the, the uh, gathering group, right? And and even in that case, because of how gathering works, we had to limit the number of people that could could be there, right? Um, and and that's, that's the thing right now is that we're kind of now caught with that. Yes, we can have people back in the building, but as far as those experiences around service or worship or whatever you want to call that, we can't do what we've done before. No. So, so are you okay with that? Or would it be better to have, uh, maintain what we've been doing with that Sunday morning experience online and then have opportunities during, and, and actually, I, I, more than even just the, um, uh, social time with bring your own coffee kind of stuff. I mean, Part of what we used to do, particularly in Basha, we used to have a, a regular uh, movie night every two, every couple of yeah. weeks, right? And we talked about trying to do that again because, okay, we could, like the adult, especially uh, movies that were for, for adults, um, we, we can uh, you know, follow all the guidelines, social guidelines and everything, um, and limit the number of people. Yes, we could. Unfortunately, our biggest thing was family movies. And we can't control children <laughs> in that environment, right? And and if you look at That's if an you look at yeah, if you look and and why would you is my thinking. But here there's a reason, right? There's that that reason now. But even then, um, if we tried to follow the guidelines for gathering a group of children together, we still wouldn't be able to do it because you can only have like 10. Um, and that's including the adults and you have to wipe stuff down and you have to do that. And I'm not suggesting that that isn't a good idea and that we shouldn't do that. It's just that we ha- are very limited in terms of the number of, of volunteers or people who would be able to be part of that, right? And so it's it's not particularly practical, which again makes me kind of sad that we can't do that yet. Um, 
but then we got to just keep thinking about different ways of how we might do that. So um, our summer children's program, for instance, this year, we're going to offer it as an online thing. Um, but we're also going to prepare kits for the crafts and things so yeah, that if kids want so to cool. connect with us by, by getting a kit, they can do that, right? And I saw you had a couple people message you about... Um, you know, we've got some kids in our family or we know of some kids that would love to participate in this. They don't live in the community, so they can't stop by and grab, pick up one of those kits. Can we have a material list for them yeah, to build so we'll their own post, kit? We'll post the week before, we'll post a list for supplies yeah. and stuff so like that. So what's kind of yeah, cool sure. about that is just like our Sunday morning services through live streaming are all of a sudden we've got people in British Columbia and we've got people in Southern Alberta and, and all over the place that are... Yeah participating in our Sunday morning services that never could have yeah. before. It's the same with the summer camp. And so there's that, always that trade-off. Like We've made some connections that we otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. 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 And so you're giving up a lot and there's, you're not, you're not able to do the fun things that, and have all the, the energy of having all those kids in, uh, in one place, but it is kind of cool that, right. that it can reach other people and, too. The important thing, though, I think to remember in all of this, and particularly now we're at the stage where we're, you know, we're loosening restrictions, guidelines are changing, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're all hopeful that there isn't going to be a second wave in the fall, whether there is or not, we don't know. But at this point, we're, we're having the experience of we're, we're kind of getting out of it a little bit. But I, it's so important, though, that just like, just like the story with the disciples, um, it's, okay, we're done. We're done with that. Let's get back to normal. Mm. It's not that. It's we need to remember the stuff that we've learned and experienced in this these last few months as we go forward because forward is the way, right? We can only go forward. Um, otherwise, well, we're dying, right? We're dead. Yeah. You have to go forward. Um, but um, we need to take forward the acts of kindness that we've read so much about. We need to take forward the realization of exactly who is an essential worker. We need to take forward remembering that those essential workers aren't just, um, you know, doctors and, and nurses and first responders and caregivers and everything. It's also the people who who work in grocery stores and, and maintain food lines and supplies and things, truck drivers that, that carry, you know, it's all that. Like, we need to remember that um, and not suddenly, you know, things get back to normal and we're back at forgetting how important those people are mm. and how uh, important they are as people, not just what they do. Yeah. Right. Um, we need to get, we need to remember as we go forward that we not suddenly forget that seniors are important and how we care for them in their facilities ought to be about quality of life. Right. We, we need to remember that stuff going forward. Um, and so I, 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 in fact, I would, I, I am certain that at some point having commissioned the disciples to all of this stuff that Jesus says and says, go and go and be me to people. Um, I'm sure at some point after they've had a little bit of an experience of doing that, Jesus probably had to say to them, yes, but remember what I said about, you know, these, this is how things could potentially go. Don't be, dis don't be disappointed. I know you're disappointed, but I did tell you that it was, you know, and you have to remember as you go forward, that you learn from those moments as much as you do from the moments of success, right? You, you learn from those moments where people rejected you 
just as much as you learned from the moments where people welcomed you in and wanted to hear what you had to say. You, you're going to learn from those experiences too and and take those forward because that's what it's about, right? All those, all the experiences, not just the ones you sort of, the successes you cherry pick to, to take forward, right? Um, or Or the things that you suddenly want to forget about because that's over now. Yeah. Right? We need to learn. We yeah. need to, and that's, that's Sunday morning too, right? It's not just about, um, socializing with people. It's about what we learn from that and what we learn from sharing the stories that are part of our faith, singing the hymns that are part of our faith, um, what we share in prayer and the, the symbols and liturgical things that we do and all that stuff. That's all, uh, going to be part of who we are going forward. Uh, and, um, what we want or hope for people is that that experience is going to be transformational for them in a positive way that we're, we're going to start to understand what it means to, to actually live the Jesus that's in us, mm. right. To live the, the image of God that we are. Well, speaking of the, the summer program that you're, that you've been putting together for, for this summer, uh, in its modified version, you're calling it, um, uh, I, the call of the wild, call of the wild. It was, I knew it was something to do with the wild. So it, it's really fitting, I think, and I love the concept that it's um, that it's about the the wilderness. There, how many times have we talked about uh, in the last few months during this pandemic the um, the time that Jesus spent in the wilderness, right? And and I mean, obviously during Lent we talked about that a lot, but for me anyway, personally, it's it's been this recurring like thing where I've thought a lot of, about the, that, that feeling of isolation, that feeling of going out into, uh, uh, into more of a mode of self-reflection and analyzing your life and analyzing why we're doing things the way we are and what's life going to look like moving forward and what we're called to do and, and all of those things that were part of Jesus' time in the wild, in the wilderness. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Obviously, you're going to have to participate in the program, Ben. Um, well, there's no. Uh, but the, the, there's no yes. way you can stop me now in the because sense it's that, online. That's right. right? Uh, in the sense, in the sense that um, we and we and, you know back in Lent, I think I talked about wilderness and different the different ways we experience wilderness. That it that it's not just uh, you know that that dark and cold place where you're abandoned. That it's a place where you go to learn, mm-hmm. right? To experience things that that um, to vision. Right, all that kind of thing, and when when we were certain thinking about this this summer program, um, the idea wasn't. I think when we were planning on doing it in person, back when we could still think that way, um, <laughs> part of the idea was that yes, engaging the wilderness, um, but but as it became evident that we weren't going to be able to do it in person, the, the thing is, over the last few months. Um, part of that wilderness experience has been, um, especially for kids, I think, has been um, how do you understand this where we're suddenly like in in this wilderness of a pandemic kind of thing? How do you understand? What do you, you know, things like fear and anger and and uh, and over the last few weeks, the things that we've been seeing that have have resurfaced because they aren't new and they don't go away. Uh, about um, hate and and diversity and and Prejudice. all of those things, yeah. um, and and greed, all of those things, and and so the the point of this program uh, is that each day we'll look at one of those things and we'll show how um, it, it was it was initially built on the idea that Jesus most f- 
favorite thing to say is don't be afraid. Mm. And what does that mean? Does it simply mean, oh, buck up, it's going to be fine? Or does it mean you don't, you can be scared and that's okay. But with God, we engage the world around us. And when you do, you learn and you find out things, right? And so how would you, how would you engage, how, how, how do we engage uh, hate or fear for that matter? How do we engage anger? How mm. do we engage um, greed when we encounter it, right? How, what do you do with that? And, and essentially Jesus says, don't be afraid and back off. Go forward into it. God is with you. Yeah. And, and so we're going to tell some stories and, and sort of engage those things so that it becomes, um, less a, well, I remember those things when I was in the wilderness of this, you know, pandemic of not being at school and all this kind of stuff and, and all this things were happening and more a question of I've, here's what we can learn from it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll, uh, It'll have uh, some meaning for, for kids. Um, and, you know, there'll be, and the thing, you know how, you know how our programs always work. We have a sort of a central theme with a story and then there's some songs. Even the craft and the activities and things connect to that same theme. Um, so very much like summer camp, <laughs> we're building everything into uh, a, an experience that has message in it. Yeah, and that sends young people back into their life, back into the world uh, with some, some new tools. And and that, that, that's the other thing about call of the wild is that it's not just about wilderness. It's about the idea that, um, the world's a wild place, right? Like, um, uh, where the wild things are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's that the monsters are things like fear and hate and stuff like that. Right. Um, but at the same time, for as much as, uh, we sometimes like to, Enjoy the warm, fuzzy comfort of listening to a story of Jesus. Say wonderful, warm, kind things while we sit in our comfy pew. Jesus is wild. <laughs> like the, the, the idea is Jesus' love is radical and wild. And so it's a response to the wild world with the wild mm. love of Jesus kind of thing. I right? love that. And, and it, sounds, it sounds a little evangelical, um, but that's okay because the whole point of evangelical, of course, is the word means to share story. Right to share your to share the good news to yeah. share the story, yeah. and uh, that's what we do. We share stories and songs and stuff that communicate that message. That sounds like it's going to be a really cool program, I, Robin. I really love the way that you and with the support of Lori, especially with things like the summer program and the learning together. And I know she, you can't, um, you couldn't possibly overstate her contribution, but the two of you uh, and the way you have just continued to look at what's going on around us in the world, whether it's political events or just what our community is dealing with and build that into and integrate that into um, the messages that you share, the stories, the midweek reflections, your blog, the sermons on a Sunday morning that were, that are being live streamed. And then now this summer camp um, it's, it's so incredible that we have, that quality of leadership and um, thought being generated in this community of faith. And it makes a huge difference. Like it really impacts a lot of people. I hope you know that. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, let me, let me, I know thank you're you for un- saying that you're uncomfortable with being but, uh, acknowledged thank you for saying like that, that, but, but I am going to say um, we get a lot of support. Well, 
um, certainly uh, Lori here and others like like you and uh, uh, and and other people who've contributed uh, music and songs and stuff or participated with the kids and things. Um, uh, Brielle in Pinoca and um, uh, we've had great support in Pinoca from from Graham and and other parents there as well um, who have been um, really helpful in ensuring that we stay connected to what's going on around us. Mm. And and the thing that's most important again, the thing that's most important about that is that if we look at if we look at the stories of Jesus, um whenever Jesus starts talking about stuff from 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 scripture that he he knew, he puts it into the present. Yeah. Right, um, and if we go back to that question of would Jesus be happy with the church today? Jesus would be super happy with the churches today that make sure that the message of Jesus is relevant to the world today. Well, exactly, he I was would gonna... probably not be super happy with the churches whose message is basically restating something that's two thousand years old. Yeah, like just Bible thumping for the sake of Bible thumping is. Not, not to mention the use of the Bible as, as a point of authority rather than, um, I, I love, I, I wish I could remember, this is terrible, I wish I could remember his name, but uh, as a cartoonist, he goes by Naked Pastor. Um, and he does these cartoons that are just, they're so amazing. Uh, and he had one, uh, I don't know how old this is, but I, I saw it again and again recently, is uh, it's Jesus um, talking to a group of people that are clearly, you know, supposed to be followers anyway and he's saying and that's that's the difference between you and me is that you use the bible to show it's uh, i'm not quoting this exactly but you use the bible to show people what love is and uh or to interpret what love is about and i interpret the bible with love Hmm. um and 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 it's it's just i again i think that's such an important thing to remember is that if it's not if it's not meaningful to uh, the world that we're living in right now, how how, how is it meaningful again? Uh, and and that not just not just in terms of relevant to the world today, but relevant to the world we want to make from the world today, mm. right? Yeah. Um, that's that's so important. And if it's not, if you're simply, you know, it's like it's like doing something because we've always done it that way for two thousand years. We've done it that way, and I'm just like, why? Are we still doing it that way then? Well, that's just holding us back. We're, we're creatures of habit and pattern for sure, but we're also so capable of transformation and growth. Yeah, absolutely. That's a absolutely. great, I think that's a great place to wrap it up, Robin. But I, I do really um, want you to know how valued and appreciated you are in, in your leadership and in the impact you have. And, um, I'm excited to see what the rest of the summer is going to look like through yeah, me too. Um, continuing our live stream, offering this summer camp for the kids and continuing the, the podcast through the summer and your blog and all the other cool stuff that we're doing. And thank you for, for keeping it all going. Thank you. And thank you everyone for joining us this week. Uh, as Robin always says, love knows no distance and kindness and compassion are never canceled. So thank you for your listening this week and uh, hopefully you can catch some of our other content throughout the week and join us uh, on another episode of the podcast sometime soon. Take care and be well.